Hello and welcome, and if this is your first time joining us, then thank you very much for plugging us in. I'm Matthew Grant, one of the partners at Instec and your podcast host today. Of course, if you're a regular listener, welcome back, and thanks again for inviting us along, whether you're running, cycling, walking, driving to school, ironing, or even now that summer is here for some of us, maybe even mowing the lawn. Today, you're going to be hearing about hailstorms, or more precisely, the work that AXA Climate and CoreLogic are doing to provide parametric insurance to pay out when hailstorms cause damage. Now, for those of us in the UK, the idea that a hailstorm could do damage seems a bit far-fetched. But keep listening if you want to find out the typical size of damaging hailstorms in the US and elsewhere. And as we know, you could be listening in from anywhere in the world. We're using the universal language of sport to describe those hailstorms. More will be revealed shortly. We're delighted to have CoreLogic and AXA as corporate members of Instec, two of over 170 companies we're working with to help reveal what is really going on in the world of insurance innovation, or in some cases it's not. If you are not yet one of our members and wondering what you're missing, then please email any of us, hello at instec.co, or contact me, Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn. Okay, time to meet Mia Vulis and Rob Shablek. So I'm delighted today to bring together two really well-known organizations uh, who are collaborating to provide solutions for protecting companies from hail damage. So I've got joining me from AXA Climate, Mia Vules, uh, based in Paris, I believe. Mia, hello. Yes, hello. And Rob Chablik, Head of Global Risk Management at CoreLogic. Hello, Rob. Hello, Matthew. Rob, you mentioned when we started this off that you've got some... Uh, some weather outside. This might be a hear it, feel it type uh, podcast discussion. Hopefully not too much of it. But if we lose you through this, you know, you've got some storm, storms coming through. Yeah, it's amazing when you see the storm front come rolling in. As I was dialing in, I said this is quite appropriate for our conversation. <laughs> Good. Well, we'll, we'll hopefully uh, see you all the way through to the end. Uh, so, me, I see you previously a data scientist yourself. Rob, you've had experience of working catastrophe modeling. Uh, you're also an underwriter yourself at AIG and FM Global. Uh, so it's great. So it's good to have a, a global coverage for this. Um, Mia, what does it basically come to you? First of all, I think everybody will be aware of AXA in some form, one of the biggest insurance organizations in the world. AXA Climate is one of those companies in the group. I read on the website that it says you are reinventing insurance to support companies engaged in sustainable actions. Can you explain what that just means in practice and a little bit about what AXA Climate is doing? So Exa Climate has been in operation since uh, 2014, where we began with parametric insurance, uh, what we're talking about today. Uh, we provide solutions for clients uh, around their insurance pain points, and we help support their transitions from an insurance point of view. So this is where we began. However, we quickly realized that a committed climate insurer needs to not only support after the impact with insurance, but also help its clients anticipate and adapt. So to do so, we developed adaptation consulting services. Um, what we do there is we enable companies to understand their exposure to climate change today, and also, we help suggest the adaptation measures to take to be able to survive and thrive into the future. Uh, and then finally, through this work, we saw a real need for companies to educate their workforce on the topic of climate change. So this motivated us to create the Climate School, which is an online white label training program for companies to upskill and engage their employees on the topic. Uh, so those are the three pillars that we that we use today, and this is really to help um, move towards our vision that only actors committed to sustainable transitions will be insurable in the future. So we support those actors uh, in their transitions with the three pillars, parametric insurance, adaptation consulting services, and the climate school. 
And that's really interesting. And they are, clearly they, they fit together well. But the, the, an academy or the school you've got going there, can you just talk a bit more about that? Because for anybody listening, I'm sure they'd be interested to know how they could get access to that. I mean, certainly we're looking at our own personal ESG footprint, and, and actually one of the areas that we're focusing on is climate change risk measurement. What was the easiest way to learn more about that? Yes, the easiest way is to reach out us uh, to reach out to us directly. Um, climate.axa is our website, so you can reach out to us, and we can put you in contact with the person in charge of climate school. Uh, so how it works, as I said, is it's it's a white label training program, so a company can take it. Um, and then can distribute it to their employee workforce. And it won't necessarily have AXA branding all over it. The company can really take it as their own and, um, and distribute it to their clients to, to educate them. Um, what I find most interesting tool about the climate school is that it can be adaptable to uh, different roles within a company. So if a company is interested in learning how IT positions will change in the future due to climate change, um, we can develop uh, micro-learning uh, small videos and quizzes uh, to help educate clients on or those employees how their jobs will change going into the future. So we have Climate school as it is packaged, but we can also um, work on developing specific content for our clients. And when you talk about your clients, I mean, AXA ensures, I guess, up to the biggest companies in the world. So is that only available for AXA clients or can other people get a, you can get a view of what's doing or get some help from you? No, it's it's not only available to our clients today. It's really open to, to anyone that's interested, both in the public and private sector. So we have a couple universities, um, which will usually work with them on a pro bono basis. Um, and then we have some larger clients. Um, you know, in both we have a, a broker that we work with that is looking to distribute this to their brokers to educate their employee workforce on climate change and how their clients will be affected. I thought that was a really interesting um, point of view coming from the broker world. Um, we also have clients that are not necessarily coming to us from for parametric insurance, but really specifically for the climate school. So it's uh, really, I think, available and, and um, pertinent to a wide base of uh, clients and, and customers. Uh, that's, uh, I really like that piece as well about the the resilience and the risk management. Just one point about the parametric piece on there. So is that the primary way that you provide cover through parametric insurance? And we're going to ask you just to describe parametric insurance in a minute for those that don't know. But are you are you also offering more conventional indemnity insurance or does that go through a different part of AXA? No, it's a good question. Um, our mandate today is parametric insurance uh, for weather or climate events plus earthquake. Um, however, we do work closely with our uh, with our general entities, um, those providing traditional insurance, to offer both covers. Um, we work with our existing clients on the traditional side to complement coverage with parametric. Um, AXA Climate sticks to traditional, or it sticks to parametric, but we can uh, complement traditional. Okay, thank you. Very helpful. So, so Rob, a uh, few words about CoreLogic. Many people will be aware of CoreLogic, certainly people who've been following many of the reports you've, we've been doing. Uh, for those that know you and I, we both share uh, some of the same DNA from CoreLogic as well. <laughs> Let me all figure out where that comes from. Um, you're doing a lot of work helping both within insurance and in real estate and banking for helping people understand location intelligence and some of the perils in there. Uh, but for the purposes of what we're talking about today specifically, what should people know about CoreLogic? The vision is to 
to really power trusted property moments. You think in terms of the life of an insured as they're thinking in terms of um, driving to what we believe to be our purpose, which is helping families and businesses through the key moments of finding or buying, protecting, and ultimately having to restore their properties, right? So that, that find, buy, protect, and restore complete circle of that life cycle is, is something that's quite important to us. And, and we focused on delivering that vision through what we refer to as our complete view of property, taking on a support from underwriting through risk management and all the way through to claims. Mia, yeah, as, uh, as promised or as threatened, um, <laughs> we'd love to hear your definition of parametric. We are just putting together our next edition of the parametric insurance report, and we're always looking out for crisp definitions of parametric for those that haven't come across it. What is your elevator story for what is parametric insurance? Well, what I really like about parametric insurance is that it's, it's quite straightforward. Um, I explain it as a contract based on an index. Once that index reaches a predefined threshold, a client or an insured is eligible for a payout. So very simple. I think it's even uh, easier with a concrete example. So I usually take a hotel in the Caribbean, um, as we all know probably very well if we're in the parametric world. Um, and we can suppose that hotel was hit by a hurricane, Category 3 hurricane the year before. Uh, what we can do with the client and their broker is design an, uh, an insurance solution that covers the area around the hotel and put a circle. And if a storm passes through that circle, Category 3 or higher, then um, the hotel will be eligible for a payout. Um, so really, it's quite simple. can be made complex, but the basic idea is quite simple. Great. That was very helpful. And then just on the topic of what is parametric, I mean, one of the, the challenges people talk about is as you look to the broker market, who's you know, often who have to go out and talk directly to the customers and sell it. Educating the end client is part of the challenge. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing a, a greater comfort an understanding of how parametric products work if you look at the buyers of the, of the insurance? I started in 2018 with AXA Global Parametrics at the time, and it was much more groundwork to get the broker um, to understand the idea um, and then be able to go to the client. Today, I see almost a, a lot of the requests coming from the broker themselves uh, they are proactively coming to us compared to a few years ago with clients um, that may have uh, that will have a pain point that parametric insurance might resolve. Um, and it goes beyond what I just had cited, which was um, hurricane coverage in the Gulf of Mexico, which is kind of the where it began. Um, we're starting to see more and more creative requests now coming from brokers and clients. So I think it's really starting to penetrate the market. What's really interesting observing this market from the sidelines is. You know, there's a group of companies like yourselves, you know, large, well-known, well-established insurance companies. And then it's also been one of the probably the most fruitful areas for innovation, mm-hmm. not just around catastrophe, but all sorts of other areas. It's really interesting to see a number of people who have come from outside of insurance and actually start to launch some, some really interesting businesses. We've got over 100 companies in the uh, in our parametric insurance report that are offering covers. Here. So, yes, yeah, definitely, definitely moving ahead. And then, Rob, so back to you on CoreLogic. Parametric itself has been around as a concept for a couple of decades what is it that you've been doing at CoreLogic specifically around parametric? And then we're going to talk you know, to quite specifics. We're going to come on to the, the hell products in a moment. But can you just talk a little bit about the areas you're focusing around and offering in parametric insurance specifically? The level of granularity of information that we were finding to assist, whether it be the underwriting workflow or the claims experience post-event, 
naturally lent itself to the parametric, the underwriting world and parametric. Our hail hazard, the modeling data, uh, post-event weather verification, all of that can be focused to support parametric through that underwriting to parametric payment triggering within this workflow. It created this opportunity for us to support that entire workflow all the way through. And, you know, we've since been supporting parametric insurers like AXA Climate and Swiss Re since. And, you know, aside from that, really in parallel, we've, we've also additionally been supporting primary parametric um, underwriting and then more broadly catastrophe risk management support for parametric based cat bonds. So these, these two pieces here really from the location and underwriting level for parametric as well as from a broader ILS connected cat bond support approach. Really, those are the two areas we've been focusing on most immediately within the parametric space. Yes, that reference to category bonds or cat bonds, I mean, for those that aren't familiar with those, that's where parametric insurance, I didn't say, say start off, but it was certainly we've been quite a big driver, uh, but more on the kind of large reinsurance retrocession type coverages. And then that's now broadened out into a whole range of coverage from small businesses all the way up to corporates and still some insurance companies. Um, but Mia, just to come back to you and, and sort of talk a little bit about Hale. So I'm guessing most people listening will have experienced hell, although we've got listeners all around the world these days. So I'm sure some companies that don't experience hell. Unfortunately, here in the UK, hailstorms are not very big. And yeah, I say this and touch wood, not very damaging. It's probably going to change now. But uh, some areas of the world do have very large hailstorms. But, but what is it about hail particularly that makes it so suitable for a parametric cover? No, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, so taking a step back to kind of go into why we got this motivation to create a parametric cover for it. So um, historically, for insurers, hail has been hard to underwrite because it's extremely localized event with sparse data points. And the frequency, intensity, distribution of these storms vary widely year to year. This makes it very difficult for us to price. You know, a, a site could get hit two years in a row and then not get hit for the next 15 years. So it's very difficult for insurers to understand what risk they're taking on. Additionally, with growing populations in these hail-prone areas, uh, such as Colorado uh, or Texas or Oklahoma, these hail events are becoming more and more costly. So this is what pushed us to create a parametric cover for this. Really, the traditional market was responding uh, by hardening, so increasing premiums, increasing deductibles. For those not familiar with insurance terminology, a hardening market that Mir refers to here is where the market prices are increasing year on year. The opposite is a soft market where they are decreasing. So there was a pain point out there for um, different industries, uh, notably car uh, car dealerships is where this product was first applied to. Parametric cover for this peril of hail really became possible thanks to technological advances from strong partners such as CoreLogic and Helios. With them, we now have access to historical data at a very granular level, as Rob had mentioned, for underwriting and to be able to control our exposure better. Um, additionally, when hail events happen, they're recorded and validated like we've never had before. So a hailstorm can go over an insured location and we have information such as the distribution of the hailstones, including the maximum hailstone size. Um, so really, these are the ingredients for making a parametric cover. We have a, a robust historical data set to understand the risk and then to be able to trigger payments, we can um, we have the sensing capabilities now, thanks to CoreLogic and Helios. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've been certainly intrigued me about what Helios is doing is their sensors are 
quite cheap to deploy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so therefore, you, you sort of solve that problem of you know, the, the price of structure in the parametric is much higher than the insurance coverage, and you never really get it off the ground. But for those that aren't familiar with the sort of size of damaging hailstorms, you, what you're talking about size and the ones that really are causing damage to uh, to motor vehicles. You know, what, what sort of size are we thinking about? So size is a very tricky word because we could think of the average hailstone size, the maximum hailstone size. Um, our product, at some point, you have to choose kind of how you're going to define it. So our product looks at the maximum hailstone size that can happen during a storm. But it's important to remember that there's the distribution that goes with that. Um, so there has been testing done in the past that we rely on um, that shows that really for most motor vehicles, starting from 1.25 inches in diameter of a hailstone size, they will start to see damage on a car. Um, of course, this can change with the make, the model of the car, um, you know, the, the, the angle of the hailstone. There's many more characteristics that we could add in, but this is kind of the rule of thumb that we use for our product today on the market. Okay, so that's for uh, for our European listeners or those uh, enthusiastic golfers. About, a, about a size of a golf ball, isn't it? One point. Yeah, it's about three centimeters. Is what we do for okay. our European contracts. <laughs> Good. Um, so those cause damage. You mentioned, you mentioned motor vehicles. I'm, I'm just, I know. Greenhouses, glass houses mm-hmm. clearly are at risk. Um, there's also sort of, I guess, things like solar panels. Are they a, a problem for hailstones? Yep. We've seen a couple of inquiries from uh, clients in the solar panel industry. Um, they are more robust than we see in motor vehicles. And what's also interesting is they can kind of turn themselves vertical. So they're less exposed. If they, if they see a hailstone, hailstorm coming through, they can turn the panels vertically. So they're less exposed to the, to the hail hitting them. Um, that has been more of a tricky industry to really take off in. Um, we've seen more success for parametrics when we're talking, um, about hail, uh, in, in the U.S., because that's really where it's a, it's a large problem is really the small and middle market, um, where they are, working off of uh, lending um, and they need these solutions to be able to operate year to year. We see larger clients, um, specifically solar panel clients, are more able to absorb losses um, and can go uninsured perhaps the first year or two. I'm, I'm, I love that image of those solar panels going vertical. I guess of the thinking solar panel. I guess the message there is you're walking past a, a field of solar panels and it starts to go vertical, then <laughs> cover because uh, hell storms on its way. And then, of course, you've got to price this. So you mentioned a little bit about now you're getting better data of historic hail loss, but what sort of parameters are you using? What models are you using to actually define the price for the parametric cover? Mm-hmm. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to work with a client and, and their broker to build a coverage that's appropriate for them. Um, the best way to do this is, is we usually ask a few initial questions to understand what is their traditional coverage, what is their exposure, meaning how many vehicles are stored on the exterior, what is the average value of those vehicles, um, and then the most important question is what are their past losses due to hail. Um, we can then look at the past losses. If we have a rough date, we can go to CoreLogic and say, okay, on that date at that location, what was the approximate hail size? And this really helps us um, build the structure in the most robust way. Um, 
that isn't always possible because not everyone's been hit by hail, as you said. Uh, so from our experience from similar clients, we can suggest appropriate limits in payout structures. Uh, the risk itself is purely assessed from historical data, um, both internal models and then also with the help of CoreLogic. Um, we look at the historical observations and modeling done at that site and around that site that the client would like to ensure. Good. So that's a good link back to you, Rob. So, so Mia mentioned in there the difficulties of modeling Hailstorm, but you know, CoreLogic has been chosen as a partner for AXA. Can you just talk a little bit about it? We don't need to go too much into the, the technical details, but as, as you CoreLogic have built the Hailstorm model, what, what data are you using or who are you working with to be able to come up with a, a credible Hailstorm model that can be used for pricing? There's really four key pieces to the solution. Um, the first of which is getting to the underwriting side of it and think of what we refer to as our, our hail risk score custom report. With that data coming through for a location, we're providing a hail risk score from one to a hundred. Um, that, that's based on the annual probability of one inch hail. And then alongside that, there's an annual exceedance probability of hailstones of varying size impacting a particular property, right? So me had mentioned that, that 1.25 inch and up. So we provide that range, you know, from less than 1.25 up and above to give a sense of intensity of the hill and then the size of that that could fall. Now, secondly, we bring to that score and hazard view our elements of our severe convective storm probabilistic model. I think in terms of the traditional probabilistic modeling, but now taking that data, pushing it forward to the underwriting workflow at the location level and being able to further qualify that risk by bringing in a view of AAL and key return period loss specific to Rob, I'm just going to stop you there because uh, we have a rule on this discussion that you either test me the acronym or uh, you have to spell it out. So <laughs> I, I, I can get this one. AAL is average annualized loss. So essentially, it's like the equivalent of an actuarial annual loss cost, isn't it? Uh, yes. So people can keep up with the conversation. Good. Okay. So sorry. Back to your uh, back to your number three on the what you're offering. No sweat. And and beyond that, now we start to transcend into supporting the claims piece of this, you know, ultimate workflow, you think in terms of um, the visualization of the data, we, we provide our reactor platform, which is, you know, CoreLogic's web-based geospatial analysis platform. So that brings through the ability to analyze, um, you know, hail size maps and National Weather Service, you know, watches and warnings, their advisories, uh, public hail reports. Uh, it can be useful for the individual risk assessment as well as think in terms of a broader portfolio of usage, you know, an insurer or, or even reinsurer being able to put their, port, their their policies in force within this and then be able to stack an event against that, that policy and those policies in force to gain a sense of, well, how exposed are we? What are our accumulations looking like for any particular event? Um, in this particular case with Axa Climate, it's focused again on the hail peril. Um, and then beyond reactor, we we make available the hail verification reports. Those are the specific reports where we're actually geocoding down to the address. Um, based on the ask for a particular location, we connect to the hail data set. That creates a PDF report. Uh, and we're bringing forward any hail dates, estimated hailstone size, uh, you know, the, the address of interest, the details around that address, and 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 a view within one, three, or ten miles radius within that desired search period, right? So that that view will go back to the beginning of 2009 all the way through to today. Wow, that's impressive. So, so Rob, I don't know how uh, how 
familiar you are with your hail database, but just continuing the analogy that certainly works for me of hailstorm sizes equivalent to sports uh, sports balls, for want of a better word. Um, I'm quite sure that's actually a word. But what's sort of the, the largest sort of hailstorms you see out there? Is it, is it tennis ball size? Are we talking football size? Uh, <laughs> you know, what? What, what, what should you what should you expect that could be really doing the damage? I've heard stories more recently. You may have seen this in the news as well of Texas seeing some pretty significant hail fall. Uh, Mia, what was the number? I thought I heard something to the effect of six inch hail being found in some spots. Yes, yes, it can. It that can is extreme. Get massive. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's a small. Yeah, that's a small football. Not but generally, small Matthew, football. you know the 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 sizes that we're tracking most frequently range in that three quarter inch through two inch. Size hail. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So pretty serious. So back to my point earlier, I guess for those of us who don't live in those serious hail prone areas, we're not really aware of that, but it tends to be Midwest US, sort of Central Europe. Uh, I'm sure there's other areas of the world. Anybody want to, any other areas we should be thinking about where hail storms? Australia. Australia, <laughs> of course. Australia has all the perils. I think if you figure, <laughs> figure out a peril Australia has not got, then please do let us know. <laughs> uh, oh, excellent. And then, Rob, you've talked a lot about hail. Um, just briefly, what about other major perils, hurricane, earthquake, flood, wildfire? Are you also looking at parametric solutions for those? We are. What we're seeing most immediately is, as I had mentioned earlier, with the catastrophe bond support, we've been working uh, more recently in the wildfire space. And, you know, as is always the case across perils, that the key is, is setting up the proper triggering, right? And that can be quite complex and the data behind it. But principally for the purposes of this discussion, really in working with AXA Climate and Swiss Re more broadly, uh, the focus has been on hail, at least immediately. There's been talk and consideration in terms of continuing investment within the market more broadly uh, into other perils that push beyond hail and severe storm into into you know, sub-perils like tornado, which is quite interesting. And really what it comes down to there is the ability to accurately assess and monitor, especially the lower intensity tornadic events. Um, So that's really a lot of research and discussion that's ongoing at this point. And Amir, just a question for you and and your sort of knowledge around Hailstorm. The background data scientists and all this great data out there must be a really fascinating subject to to look at. But I mean, how many years have you been involved in, in looking into hail specifically yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I feel like it's kind of become my third child, <laughs> this this project at work here. Um, I started in 2018 with AXA Global Parametrics, and we were approached uh, soon after I started uh, with a key broker, key data provider, and the project just took off from there. So it's been ever since uh, 2018, and the product was uh, – we had our first customers in 2019. Yeah, I mean, to some ways, I don't say it's a perfect parametric product, but it does seem there's a sort of elegance about it in terms of the damage it causes, clients that really understand the damage, uh, mm-hmm. and then the ability to measure it. Is, as you just think across acts of parametric, is there anything else? Yeah, have you, have you, have you got any other favorite children of parametric, uh, or I should describe it, but you kind of know where I'm going. Uh, you know, think parametric products that really work because they're, they're so sort of clear across all parts of the way you structure the deal and the payout. Mm-hmm. I think the one that really um, that we're we really refined over the past few years and has been a success for us has been wildfire. Um, so that is really the product where we've been able to reduce the basis risk as uh, really to a minimum, especially when, when we apply that product to the paper and pulp industry. 
when we apply it to that industry and we're looking at standing timber, we can reduce the basis risk and really understand how many uh, acres burnt and what does that mean as a loss for the client. Um, so I think that's one of the, the really uh, beautiful product that we have in our portfolio. I'd like to also add that um, we're constantly looking at uh, new parametric products, um, especially as new data sources come out. So one that we've uh, done recently, not the expert on it myself, but we have a flood product now in our portfolio. And then also this year, um, linked to what Rob was mentioning, we've launched a parametric tornado cover. So we're able to um, add on that offer, which is a request we often get with hail because the traditional deductible buy down that we see on market today is hail plus wind, um, wind being straight lined or tornado. But we've uh, at least taken this first step in doing tornado. Yeah. I mean, what strikes me about those events we talk about them the losses are quite binary so if your trees Mm -hmm. get burned down your tree's gone if you get flooded as long as you got the data of the location you know how the flood is um if you're looking at um tornadoes you know sadly you know you see pretty severe destruction so again i think it's a good example where parametric works and then you said the basis risk which is the difference between the the actual loss cost versus what the trigger would pay out mm-hmm. is pretty small because it's somewhat you know, it's somewhat 100 percent mm-hmm. loss i'm guessing that's kind of where you're going with that um and then yeah, just as you as you looked out before you started working with core logic for you and your colleagues what, how much choice was there out there about companies to go to that you could work with on, on the hail models? You mentioned earlier on it's quite difficult to find them. It'd be interesting to know what was it about what CoreLogic are doing that you found particularly uh, suitable for what you wanted to offer. Yeah, I, I do want to say that it's in in recent years the data providers have kind of come out of the woodwork in, in a great way. It's um, the development of the product has really pushed um, advances in technology and recording, and also understanding hail risk. Um, specifically, why did we choose to to work with CoreLogic? I think is really um, their forward thinking um, and willingness to work with tech providers such as Helios. I think that shows me and shows us that they are a partner for the long term. Um, they had this idea to take their uh, catalog of hailstorms and in, in their expertise in the property market and bring it to parametric. So I think they are aligned with Axa Climate in this kind of forward thinking way and, and innovating on a constant level. Um, one, really the drivers for working with them for this product was to advance our vision of the hail risk. Um, so as CoreLogic has this extensive catalog, um, that was really complementary to what we had internally. Um, reduce the basis risk. So working with them um, has helped us reduce that basis risk, understand um, really what's happening at a per location level, um, and most importantly, streamline the customer experience. Uh, the product when it first came out was uh, it was responding to the needs, but I think there was some uh, improvements that we could do around the customer experience. And working with CoreLogic really does that. So when a customer wants to bind coverage, it's bound uh, with a five-day delay just to avoid any uh, forecasting of storms that might be in the area. Okay, when Mia mentions to bind coverage or to bound, she's referring to the act by the insurer of accepting the insurance from a client or to use another insurance term when the insurance is written. But it doesn't require necessarily to, to wait to have the hail pad installed on the rooftop to have coverage be effective. We do um, work with CoreLogic and Helios both 
CoreLogic and Helios to have that trigger or the understanding from uh, the Hale event from top down with CoreLogic and the radar-based um, uh, vision and Helios Hale Pad from the ground up. So we work with both. Um, it's not a requirement to have a Hale Pad, but we find that it does reduce the basis risk. So I think CoreLogic, our partnership, helped us achieve all those things, uh, advance our vision of the Hale risk, reduce the basis risk, and then streamline the customer experience, which was the most important to us. So as part of the offering, is there an incentive to say for car dealers to put up nets or for your clients to take other kind of precautionary measures, particularly as you mentioned about the forecasting? Is there a difference between if they move their vehicles versus not moving them, for example, in how you offer Mm -hmm. the product? That's a great question. It's a question we get oftentimes. What we look at is um, we really look at the vehicles that are exposed outside of the hail nets um, that are out in the open that could be hit with hail. Uh, So we would ask the clients really how many of those vehicles are not under hail nets. Well, I think you're learning from your solar panel example. Uh, We've got driverless cars at some point. The driverless car should figure out when the hell's coming and drive itself into, uh, into cover. <laughs> that would that be great. Be. <laughs> but I, just actually, just, sorry, one more question on hail now because you've got me my sort of inner engineer uh, thinking about this. So wh- when a hail storm hits a car and it's like a new car in a dealer's lot, what then happens to that car afterwards? Is that repaired and it goes into mm. the secondhand market or, or how, how does that how does that work? That really depends on the the policy of the car dealer. You know, if it's a car dealership, they could decide to repair it and then, you know, still sell it as new. Um, They could decide to then sell it as used, which we've heard too, um, and reduce the the cost of the the car. So um, I think that's one thing I want to highlight is that the eligible payouts under this coverage can be used for both physical and non-physical losses. So there could be some business interruption when you take the car off the lot to repair the the dents. Um, it can cover those costs. It could cover um, a loss in the car value if a company chooses to no longer sell it as new, but sell it as used as after it's been through a storm. So really, the reaction to a hail event depends on the car dealerships and in the policy that they have in place. And then I, mean, I was wondering if you can help with a sense of scale of, of what's happening in the parametric market broadly or you know, to the extent you can help us scale it. But uh, as Rob mentioned, you, you can we can get details of the, the catastrophe bonds that have been issued and get quite a lot of detail about who's issued those. But it's much harder to actually understand what's happening when you, the market is working in the way that you know, it's where you're doing it, where it's going through the brokers into the corporates. Are, are there either any figures you can cite or sources you can recommend or anything you can share just to give a sense of the size of that market and how it might be growing year on year? Yep. So specifically talking about the the hail product, um, it has been doing extremely well. I've been here since the the first year, the first uh, version, the first customers, and in that first year, we hit our risk appetite for the Colorado Pilot Program. So I think that says all, a lot that it was really something that was needed in the market. Um, another. Telling point is the number of competitors that have also come into this space offering similar solutions. I, I think that says that um, there's enough pie to share um, and that there is the demand that we're seeing from from clients, not only in the U.S. too. Um, in our portfolio, we have the U.S., Europe, and Australia. And we've even looked to other sectors where we have uh, a pilot program in the agricultural sector, notably. So I think those points really show that this product is is taking off. There's the demand out there for it. Yeah. And actually, what's, what's really interesting about it is that 
that helps people understand and get confidence in the product. If, if you start with something that is relatively straightforward to understand, like mm-hmm. as you discussed, then people then get confidence in the new type of insurance, which is parametric. And then that in turn allows new ideas to evolve that might be a little harder to understand, but people at least can relate them back to something that's already working. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, good. it's very much just a leading indicator of future growth. And then finally, I've asked you a lot of questions. Is there anything that we haven't covered that either of you would like to add to the discussion and make sure people know about? Yeah, so uh, really complimenting Mia's earlier comments uh, in terms of local site observations. I did want to point out and stress as well that, you know, we're specific to parametric hail requirements. We're working with Halios as well to ingest hail data from sensors installed on site of insureds, and that, that blends into the total view that we're bringing into the post-event weather verification data from dual-pole radar. For anybody that wants to learn more about what you're doing at, at CoreLogic, AXA have their, uh, their climate school. Is there anything at CoreLogic that people can find to help them understand more about you know, what you're doing? But I guess more specifically, they want to really dig into some of the, the technical side of what you're doing and read about it or learn in other ways. The best place to go would be go right to corelogic.com forward slash protect. Within that, you can gain insights and documentation around both the the underwriting and the claims solutions that we had discussed earlier. And that should get some more detail that ultimately could spur further conversation that we'd love to have to engage in further discovery around any business needs they may have. Excellent. And we will put that link in the episode notes along with a link to you personally. So if anybody wants to come to you direct, they can find that. Uh, Mia, you gave you a website before which i think is probably the best website address i've ever heard climate.axa you can't possibly forget that that's it yep climate.axa and i just want to add um that if there is interest in the climate school that you can actually test it for free so you can find that link online and you can also see our other solutions that we have in in the three pillars that i was talking about well i'm going to go off and uh, this weekend i'm going to go and test out the uh the climate school to see how i get on because i'm really intrigued by what we've got in there and actually it's also an important part of what we're doing. So, no, thank you very much to you both. That was really fascinating. And uh, I look forward to seeing you both face-to-face in France, London, or in the U.S., or maybe somewhere else. But thank you very much for spending the time with me. Thank you, Matthew. Let us know if you come through Paris. (laughs) Or New Jersey. (laughs) Hi, I'm Simran. I'm part of the marketing team at Instec. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to get more climate-related news and insights from us, you can sign up for our Climate Risk newsletter. It features the latest climate-related developments that are helping to ensure and mitigate losses, including research and white papers, new technology solutions, funding announcements, and industry partnerships. You can read previous issues and sign up at instec.co slash newsletters. What a great discussion. And as I mentioned in there, a very good example of where parametric insurance really works. Now, on that subject, look out for the report on parametric insurance and our review of the 150 companies offering services in that area coming out in June. Free to corporate members, or you can get a code to save 50% on the price if you sign up on the website now, www.instec.co. If you can't find it, then contact us via LinkedIn. That's it for today. <laughs>